Uh, my name is Alan. I'm the, the student pastor here at Rich Community Church. And uh, today we're going to be talking about thankfulness. And so one of the essential attitudes, one of the essential motivations, one of the essential realities in the life of the church through which its life flows is gratitude. The church in itself has various internal systems. It has attitudes, it has concepts, it has spiritual realities and motivations that carry the life of the church, that carry its, its spiritual life. Some of those things are faith and obedience and attitudes of love and humility and unity and forgiveness. And the one in which we are going to focus on today will be the spiritual attitude of thankfulness, of gratitude. And let me start with this story. It comes from Luke's Gospel in, cha in chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance. And in those days, lepers always stood at a distance because it was believed then and probably true that their particular disease had infectious capabilities. And so they were basically quarantined and isolated into leper colonies, and they were kept to themselves apart from any interactions with healthy people. And so these ten lepers stood at a distance from Jesus and lifted up their voices, sort of screaming at him, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. It might seem like a strange command because when a leper believed that he had indeed recovered from his disease and, and was well, he was to go to the priest and there was to be a purification ceremony to assure that that in fact was the case. And then he could recirculate among the people. And so Jesus said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, it says, they were cleansed. Now, they started out in an act of faith, heading for the priests. Nothing had happened before that they started in that direction. It, it happened as they were going. Ten of them, and this is the remarkable part of the story. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving thanks to him. Now he was a, a Samaritan. And so this is important because it was almost inconceivable that one could be cured of something as terrible as leprosy. Something which rendered a person socially unclean, ceremonially unclean, and put you in isolation with others of that same frightened disease. It cuts you off from your family and loved ones, and, and the synagogue, and all social events, and really all the interactions that make up life. And then to be totally cleansed. You would think that ten of them would have come back and fallen at the feet of Jesus and given thanks. The only one who did, interestingly enough, is a Samaritan. And the interesting part about that is that there was a mutual hate that had been engendered by, uh, with, by the fact that Samaritans were, were half-breed people. 
That race of people came from the loins of, of Jews who intermarried with Gentiles, a despicable thing to most Jews in the, in the ancient world. And so this was remarkable indeed, for he came a Samaritan, falling on his face at the feet of a Jew, thanking him. Then Jesus answered, Were there not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. And that statement, made you well, literally in the Greek, it means your faith has saved you. Ten got healed. Only one got saved. It's a wonderful story for the one. It's a tragedy for the nine. It illustrates how ugly unthankfulness can be. And how hard to understand that these people could so quickly forget the very one who was the source of their cleansing, the source of their saving grace. In Romans chapter 1, as we think uh, on this matter of gratitude, when the Apostle Paul indicts society, a sinful society, when he indicts the nations of the world, the indictment or accusation is very specific. He says in verse 21 of Romans 1, For although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him. You know, uh, unthankfulness is right at the top of God's list of big no-no's. Maybe easy to understand or comprehend someone who is not saved as not being a very thankful person, but it certainly shouldn't characterize God's people. We can understand that nine lepers who didn't know God could be thankless. We can understand a world of thankless people, but what about a thankless Christian? What about us? 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18 says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. In everything, give thanks. God desires this. That little phrase at the verse of 18 actually follows all three commands from verses 16 and 17. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and in everything give thanks. It has that unlimited requirement in everything. It has the idea of being in connection with everything that, that occurs in life, no matter what it is, with the exception of personal sin. Don't be thankful for, for, for your personal sin. But in everything, give thanks. No matter what the situation, no matter what the difficulty, no matter what the trial, we are to find reason to thank the Lord. There's another verse in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 2 that says, But understand this, that in the last days there will, be, there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy. And what Paul is saying here is that in the last days, growing ingratitude in people 
will be one of the signs of the end times. Now in that same chapter, in verse 13, he said that evil men will get worse and worse. The closer we get to the coming of Christ, the more wicked men become. The more wicked men become, the more ungrateful they are. So we might not be so surprised to see unsaved people going through life complaining, bitter, angry, thankless, without any gratitude, expecting everything good that comes their way and a little more. The, the unsaved men in our culture, in our time, views life as along a path of manipulation and luck combined. He manipulates as much as, he's, uh, as he can and hopes for luck to come in and, and help him. Or he may view life fatalistically as some inevitable force which he must reluctantly accept and he can't do anything about it. Or he may view life as the end product of his sheer genius of his his great effort and of his amazing skill and we even hear people today be so brash as to thank themselves for what they are but for us for for believers we know god is at work and we know that god is unfolding a divine agenda a divine plan a divine purpose each component is determined by by him for our benefit and our good and ultimately for His glory. He's leading us to a sovereignly designed goal. Romans 8.28 say, And for we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to His purpose. So God is unfolding a purpose, and the end of that purpose is, is good for His own. In fact, in, in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12, Peter says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. It's not strange to go through a fiery trial. It's not strange to go through testing when God knows the end result. But as Christians, we, we struggle with, with gratitude. And it's not just the lack of joy that goes against biblical principles, but it's also the lack of gratitude. We want to thank God for, for every, every blessing, every, every small blessing, every big blessing, every small goodness, every, every large goodness, every little thing that God provides for us. And I found this quote that said, There are some people who can find the manure pile in any meadow. I mean, it doesn't matter what's going on. We can be negative. And why? Do we not have the greatest single reason, the greatest single cause to be thankful for? We ought to be overflowing with, with gratitude, right? It ought to be for all of us an absolute constant way of life. And you know how, how thankful we are amongst other things, can, can reveal the health of our souls. When the Apostle Paul describes what our being filled with the Spirit looks like, he doesn't point to ecstatic experiences or miraculous spiritual gifts, though we may experience this, but he points to thankfulness. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 18-20 through 20 says, Do not get drunk with wine, for, for that is debauchery 
but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms, in hymns, in spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. When Paul describes what are being governed by the peace of, of Christ and the Word of Christ looks like, he doesn't point to an absence of conflict or our level of theological sophistication. He points to thankfulness. Colossians chapter 3 verses 15 through 16 says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, with thankfulness in your hearts to God. When Paul describes what our living in the will of God looks like, he doesn't point to how well our current roles in life match our dreams or aspirations, or how big our house is, or how big our, our bank account is, or, or the job we have, or the school we're in. He points to, to thankfulness. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18 says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God for in Christ Jesus for you. When Paul describes what our freedom from sexual sin and all kinds of defiling sin looks like, he doesn't point to the absence of temptations. He points to thankfulness. Ephesians chapter 5 verses 3 to 4 says, Sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not be named among you as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking which are out of place. But instead... Let there be thanksgiving. If we want to know how healthy our souls are, our levels of gratitude could be of help determining that. So with that in mind and pretty much knowing that to be thankful is a biblical commandment, let's explore some of the reasons, and there may be, there may be more that, that you know of, of why we may struggle at being thankful. The first thing that can hinder our gratitude could be doubt about God's sovereign power. Or let's say doubt slash forgetfulness about God. If we doubt or forget God really is in charge. If we're unaware about that or don't believe it. If we're not sure God is really all wise. If we doubt or forget He knows everything about everything. If we doubt He really loves us as His own, if we doubt or forget He really has our best interest in mind, if we're not sure He's trying to perfect us into the image of His Son, if we don't understand our God and His purposes, then we might have a difficult time at being thankful. And if we do understand all of this, then the problem becomes that we might forget about it. Why not be thankful for everything if we know God's power is at work in it, God's wisdom is at work in it, God's purpose is at work in it, God's love is expressed through it. But if we doubt that or forget it, we could have a problem being thankful.
A second uh, thing that may hinder our gratitude is selfishness. And this links up so much with joy. It's that attitude that says, no matter what I've got, I don't have what I really want. I don't have enough. I just want more. And my will is more important than God's will. I don't know what God has for me, but I know what I want for me and God out to deliver. And we might not say those things verbatim, but that is what our way of thinking and actions might express sometimes. I want my circumstances different. I want my children different. I want my life different. I want my ministry different. I want my spouse different. I want my job different. I want to look different. I want a lot of things different. And if that, and if that is what drives us, and we set our own agendas, then we're going to have trouble, and that really destroys gratitude. On the other hand, if we focus on searching for, God, for what God wants and trust that He will give us what He wants us to have, then I think we have a better probability of being thankful. A third thing is worldliness. Awfully hard to sort ourselves out from that in, in this culture. If we're into the pleasures and the people and the places and the possessions and the pursuits and the popularity and the likes and the followers and the prestige and we just want all the stuff the world says makes people satisfied and happy we're going to have trouble at being thankful because we're never going to have all of that and if we get some of it it won't be enough. And you know, this, this society era through advertisement or social media or, or any forms of entertainment paints a picture of what we should have in order to be happy and, and joyful and thankful. And they, it does such a good job at it that we tend to forget the simple things in life that we should be thankful for. Food, health, a home, car, a job, people who love you, people who care for you. Millions of people don't have those things. A fourth thing could be a critical spirit. So if we're bitter or or negative, if we criticize others, if we just kind of have a, a, a sour attitude on life. And you know how we may get that? We may get that by having unrealistic expectations of what we deserve. We may get that because we think we ought to control everything. And there are some things we can't control and that bothers us. Some of us get it. We understand it. 
And you know, the sad part is that we still feed it like a monster until it gets as big as a dinosaur. And many times when we speak, the dinosaur roars, and it roars because we've cultivated the wrong fruit. Don't let yourself be critical two days in a row, or two hours in a row, or two half hours in a row. Don't build that kind of habit. If unchecked, it will just smash a thankful heart into bits. This attitude can corrode our love, it can corrode our joy, it can corrode our peace, it can corrode our spirituality. A critical spirit that always criticizes, always sees what's wrong with everyone else, what's negative, what isn't the way we want it to be, what isn't under our control. Always looking at things from the negative side is a terrible, terrible thing to do. And when we cultivate that habit, we get so into it, it becomes a monster to slay. A fifth hindrance to gratitude Ingratitude is to gratitude is impatience. We may think that God isn't moving fast enough. It's not so much that we want this or that, it's that we want it now. We sort of have our, our own timetable. And the perception is that God is not on our schedule. We got it in our appointment book and He's not keeping the appointment. We want God to work for us and we want Him to work. We need to learn to just be patient. Let God unfold His purpose, His divine purpose in His own time. And be thankful that He knows the timing a whole lot better than we do. And one last point is rebellion. And this is a very strong attitude that mitigates against gratitude. And this is where we're in a subtle state of rebellion, of anger towards God because things didn't go or are not going the way we want them to go. And in this state of rebellion, we run the risk to sin against God where we might not stick to our convictions as strongly as we did yesterday. And we begin to make our own decisions where we indulge in our own desires. If I can uh, invite the, the worship team up, please. When things are not going or haven't gone our way, God is still at work in our lives. And some questions we may ask in discovering this are, God, are, God, what are you trying to say to me? What are you trying to show me? What can I learn from this? And help me praise you and thank you, even though I may be struggling with that right now. All this kind of stuff, ingratitude, just destroys the church. We want to have a, ch a church full of joy and, and blessing and happiness and peace where people love each other and, and the church grows and it flourishes. 
Let's be attentive to the hindrances that may cause us to become unthankful. Don't let them get cultivated in your life. And we have so much to be thankful for. God's holiness that makes him perfect and he never makes a mistake. God's goodness and mercy which is always available. And is overflowing and abounding towards us in the gift of Jesus Christ. All the good gifts that flow down from the Father of lights. The victory over sin and death, divine guidance, complete provision for all of our needs, the hope of heaven, the power of the word, and on and on and on and on. Lots of reason to give thanks. And if we the church are to be the church of Christ, and his life is what flows through that church, let's show this world the life that they are missing out on, not the other way around. Let's show them the purpose, peace, confidence, gratitude, and thankfulness we possess even for the trials, even for the pain, even for the sufferings that we will experience in in this life. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for allowing us to be here today. I pray that as we continue on this process of sanctification, becoming, becoming more like, like Christ, that you guide us through all the things, all the fruits that we must cultivate through the Holy Spirit. And I pray, Lord Father, that you give us a, a thankful heart no matter what the situation we may be in and that we may praise you and thank you Under any circumstance. In your name we pray. Amen.